0: More to Life is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Today on More to Life, I love you, but
1: even the happiest couples drive each other crazy from time to time. How does your spouse drive you nuts? We've got solutions to all those annoying habits. 877-573-7825. they want to have a great marriage and family and personal life. Well, the theology of the body uh, reveals how you can
2: actually achieve it. More to life. The happiest couples know how to say I do to each other every moment of every day. Surprising. Relevant
1: Good morning, everyone. You are listening to More to Life on the EWTN, Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. I'm Lisa Popchak. And today on More to Life, the show is titled, I Love You. But, Ooh. you know, well, even the happiest couples drive each other crazy from time to time. And we're talking about those those things in marriage that, you know, send you, send you up a wall. You know, some, sometimes they could be little petty things that just get under your skin. Other times they, they're more serious offenses. But we're asking you to call up and share at 877-573-7825. What does your spouse do that drives you crazy? Are there certain things they say or do that you wish you could change? Uh, whether they're more annoying habits or, or more serious offenses, we want to help you find graceful ways to handle those irritating, frustrating, or even offensive behaviors. The number is 877-573-7825. Again, that's 877 573 Seventy-eight twenty-five.
2: now of course we can deal with those little things you know i know my mother used to say my mother was was widowed when i was five and she never remarried and and people would often say to her you know why aren't you interested in even looking for somebody to marry again and i knew you know like my dad was the love of her life and she really didn't want to you know downgrade as far as she was concerned but to kind of deflect people she would always say i am never picking up another person's as long as I live. <laughs> and she, you know, she would let us know. My father was actually very meticulous, and it was just her way of saying, you know, those little things aren't worth putting up with unless he's the love of your life. And sometimes it's the little things that mount up. Sometimes it's the little things that irritate us because we don't want to address the bigger things. But as Catholics, sometimes those things have a whole new element to them where if our spouse isn't on the same page with us in terms of our faith, if they're more faithful than us and they're bugging us all the time and we're trying but we're just not there yet and somehow it makes us feel inadequate, or they aren't quite there yet and you don't know what to do about it and it's frustrating you. Maybe they're getting in the way of you raising the kids with any kind of faith. And you think, well, they're a perfectly good person, but I really need them to help with this, but do I even have a right to ask? Having your faith as a Catholic in your marriage adds a whole new element where we have to look at all the facets. So whether it's the day-to-day frustrations or something that touches on your faith, we're here to help you have a smoother, happier more peaceful and loving marriage today, whatever your questions are, give us a call on more to life at eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five that's eight seven seven five seven three seventy eight twenty five
1: well you know lisa you're you're mentioning the the whole you know how the, the the Catholic piece of it, right? How 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 that how our faith complicates these things. Yes. One one of the big questions, of course, is you know when do we speak up and when do we offer it up, mm. right? You know it, when when you have those little irritations, you know it, your marriage is fine, but but the, you know or even great, but but there are certain things that your spouse does that get under your skin or drive you crazy. You you, you want to pick your battles, right? You you don't want to complain about everything, uh, but 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 how do you know, you know when something is worth mentioning. pressing or even arguing about you know how how do you know when it's when it's the when you need to bring that thing up versus when it's best to let it go uh and you know that's kind of what we're really talking about here ultimately is you know those those things that your spouse does that drive you a little bit crazy and you try to let it go and sometimes you do a better job than others (laughs) but how do you manage that gracefully so whether your spouse is you know doing that kind of petty, small, annoying thing that just uh, gets under your skin, or really offending you and hurting you in some way, uh, but you're not sure how to address it, we're here to help. The number, again, is 877-573-7825. Again, that's 877-573-7825. Every day on More to Life, we take a look at the topic of the day through the lens of St. John Paul's Theology of the Body. And for folks who aren't aware of what that is, the Theology of the Body is a series of reflections that St. John Paul gave when he was Pope over the course of about five years, actually. Uh, And he was looking at creation and salvation history and the Gospels and with an eye toward showing how those things reveal God's plan for living a more abundant life and having healthier, holier relationships.
2: Now, we all know, or at least we've heard as Catholics, that marriage is... A sacrament and certainly it is but the theology of the body actually reminds us that marriage is a ministry as well you know most people acknowledge that having a strong loving marriage is a good thing at least on a human level but we tend to discount the spiritual benefits that come from working on our relationship in fact many people think that working on our marriage is somehow selfish because it supposedly only benefits us. We often act like working on our marriage doesn't build the Kingdom of God in the same way that being involved in a charity or doing pro-life work or volunteering at a parish or even singing in the church choir does. Nothing could be farther from the truth. The theology of the body reminds us that building the Kingdom of God is really about healing the damage that sin does to our relationships. The sacrament of marriage is about healing the intimate bonds that hold the world together. Without strong marriages, we can't have strong families. And if we don't have strong families, we can't have a healthy society or a godly church.
1: So, you know, if you're married, working on your marriage is probably one of the most important ministries you can do as far as the church is concerned. You're cooperating with God's grace to make our marriages strong and healthy witnesses to the power and passion of the Catholic vision of love is one of the primary ways that we grow in holiness and ultimately evangelize the world because the world needs to see that God's love makes a real difference in our lives. And the main way that they discover that is by looking at the quality of Christian marriages. You know, God really does care deeply about how intimate, passionate, loving, respectful, and prayerful your marriage is because everything else in his plan depends on it. If loving couples aren't cooperating with God's grace every day to make our marriages stronger, it allows Satan to get into the cracks and blow everything apart. Not just that one couple's relationship, but their family, and ultimately all of society too. The church teaches that working on our marriage is a ministry that allows each couple to bear witness to the love of Christ. So let's work on our relationships together by, by taking a look at those small things that, you know, that our spouse does that, that drive us a little crazy. And, and whether they're, they're small and petty things or, or they're more serious offenses, learning how to handle those annoying differences <laughs> gracefully is a key to growing your relationship and making it everything that God wants it to be. So give us a call. The number is 877 877- 5737825 let me say that again 8775737825 what does your spouse do that drives you a little crazy you know maybe there are certain things they do or say maybe differences in your senses of humor or the way you communicate or your faith style or the way you
2: parent or maybe it's what they don't do <laughs> you know they don't stand up for you to their Parents. Your yeah their parents your, your in-laws. in-laws maybe they don't come alongside of you the way you need them to in raising the kids maybe they don't refrain from you know watching those shows that you find uh, a little over the top and inappropriate you know there are just things that we just wish would change but how do you make that change and still be loving that person for who they really are Well, we're here to help you figure it all out today on War to Life. Give us a call at 877-573-7825. That's 877-573-7825.
1: All right, let's take our concerns to the Lord, and we'll start taking your calls. In the name of the the Father, Father, and the the Son, and the the Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you and we bring our marriages to you, and we ask you to help us. To have the relationships that you would like us to have so that we can learn to love each other, not just with our own broken human love, but with the love that flows from your heart. And as we strive to, to love our spouse and to allow our spouse to love us, we ask you to help us to know how to deal with those petty irritations and little annoying habits and other things that get under our skin, as well as the bigger offenses in our relationships. Help us to know how to respond to all of those things how to know when to speak up and, and when to offer it up, how to know what to say and how to say it, how to truly be open to growing the ways you would have us grow so that we can truly love our spouse the way you would have us love them, with the love that shines out from your heart and draws the whole world to you through our witness. We ask all of this through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and in the name and of the, the Father and the, the Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pope St. John Paul the Great. Pray for us. Today on More to Life, the show is titled I Love You, but as we talk about the fact that you know even the happiest couples drive each other crazy from time to time, uh, we're asking how does your spouse drive you nuts, or how do you drive your spouse nuts for that matter. We want to help you find graceful solutions to those annoying habits, petty irritations, and even more serious offenses that are coming between you and your mate. 877 573 7825.
2: Let's talk now with our first caller of the day who is listening to EWTN Radio in Pennsylvania.
1: Hi there, Anonymous. Welcome to More to Life. What can we do for you?
3: Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call and thank you so much for this topic. It's perfect. Uh, Awesome. So, this is not about my spouse, it's about me. All right. Um, Good for you. I, I have a frightful temper, and when I get angry, I tend to slip in a very profane talk. Uh, and if my children are in the room or in the house, so I, I know they can hear it, and I know it's very hard on my wife uh, to hear me talk like that. I want to change, but I, I don't know how to. and I'm wondering if I could maybe take this call off the air uh, to hear what you guys would have to say in terms yep. of any advice you have.
2: Absolutely, but I just want to say, so, so generally, so I get an understanding of like who you are, how you express yourself. So you get overwhelmed by something, or something annoys you or frightens you, you get angry, and your general way of experiencing emotions is you have to let them out, and this is the way it's coming out when you're under that negative pressure. Is that what I'm hearing you say? You just nailed it. That, that's okay. a great way to say it. Okay, and right. and of course the children shouldn't be hearing stuff like that, but also probably your wife has a sort of different style, so it affects her a bit, you know, more than it would if she was the same kind of personality.
3: Yes.
1: Okay. okay last question: What have you tried to do about it so far? Just so we know where to start.
3: I have I have been praying, asking St. Joseph's intercession. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been saying the small. Uh, Prayer, Lord, help me be patient when all the day long my heart is troubled by small, but the taste just crosses, uh, okay. because that's, that's what a lot of these are. They're small, insignificant, petty things, mm-hmm. but it just I just blow up about it. And okay. I, just, I need to stop.
1: Yep. All right. Well, I, you know what? I, I appreciate your willingness to take a look at this. And uh, I have some suggestions. We both have some suggestions that uh, we can offer to you here. And I know that you have to jump off, so that's okay. But uh, yeah, keep tuning in because we'll offer some thoughts. First of all, what, what, when, when somebody kind of loses it um, about little things, what that usually means is that their baseline emotional temperature is running a little high. And it's probably been running a little high for a long time, and you don't even notice it. So, what I mean by that, so like on a scale of 1 to 10, um, let 's say where where one is per completely calm and relaxed and ten is i 'm losing my mind um, you don 't ever want to get up really over a six okay and what that means and i don 't mean that emotionally I mean that behaviorally like you can tell where you are in the temperature scale so at a six that would be an example of where you know i 'm handling things just fine but i 'm having the but and i 'm a little irritated about the people around me and the things that are going on but i but i i 'm keeping my cool right it 's a little bit like if somebody was buzzed and they were trying to act sober, it's, it's like that with anger or irritation. It's like, you know, I am irritated. I'm a little frustrated. But I'm, I'm if I concentrate on it, I can come off as calm and respectful and I can manage it, right? So so outwardly, I'm doing fine. Inwardly, I'm having to think about it a little bit more, but I'm doing okay. When you get up to about a seven on the emotional temperature scale, the adrenaline and cortisol has started to flood your bloodstream a little bit more now. Uh, and this is where I don't care anymore if, I, if you know that I'm irritated with you or what's going on. So that's where you start seeing things like people rolling their eyes and huffing and puffing and doing the whole oh, oh my gosh oh, oh, oh. you know that, that that kind of groaning and, and all those outward signs that you're irritated now where where at a 6 you could keep that in at a 7 you can't and and you don't care if they know that you're frustrated or irritated you can still function pretty well at a 7 if with if you think about it but but it's really there's nowhere else to go but crazy at that point okay. <laughs> you get up to an 8 that's the point where um, you're not yelling and screaming, but you are being defensive and you're lectury and um, kind of just anything you say is really ordered toward blaming other people and, and and sort of explaining to them why they're wrong and they should sit there in their wrongness and be wrong. Uh, some people start shutting down at this point and not saying things quiet and stonewalling. Uh, at a nine, that's where you start like exploding and saying saying stuff that you were going to regret. And then and then ten is where kind of your moral filters come down and you do those things. That, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. right? Or say
2: that. Right, right. Right. The, way, the yeah. way he's saying he doesn't want the children to hear his language. So
1: if you are blowing up at little things, that usually means that a person is, is kind of living at a seven or an eight. And they may have been living there so long that for them they think it's a five. Right, because we get used to it. At certain points where we just feel like, well, this is just this is just life. Right. And, and so we end up just maxing out that emotional temperature scale all the time. So the key here for you is learning how to take down your baseline temperature, because you want to have some space between where you're living and, and, and where things peak, because when you get an unpleasant surprise, what that does is it bumps you up at least a notch. Right? So if you're at a five and that bumps you up to a six, you can manage it. If you're living at a seven or a seven and a half or an eight and it bumps you up to a nine, now you've got problems, right? And that's what it sounds like is happening to you. So the key to this you know, is when you wake up in the morning, take a look at that emotional temperature scale and ask yourself, where am I? Not based on how I feel, but how I'm acting right? and how I'm thinking. And you're probably going to see that you're at that like seven or that eight already when you wake up in the morning. Ask yourself, what's one small thing I could do to take my temperature down even one notch? And do that four or five times throughout the day. You know, morning... Mid morning, lunchtime, mid afternoon, dinner time. Take that emotional temperature, and each time, ask yourself, "What's one small thing I could do to take that temperature down? Could I could I slow myself down a little bit? Could I take a little break and change the way I'm pacing myself? What, could I t- offer up a little prayer that, that, and, and really focus on the ways that God loves me?"
2: Make sure it's something that gives you that oh, okay, that could help kind of a feeling, and and also it could be bigger things where you're feeling that tension in your body. Do you need to get out and take a walk? Do you need to do some exercise that's a little heavier hitting? You know, go out and even chop some wood or or shoot some baskets. Something that's going to allow you that short but effective release of all that energy you're storing in your muscles. That's tension that just needs to explode when some small thing happens.
1: But don't worry about going from like an 8 to a 1. Right. right. Just take yourself from an 8 to a 7 and or, you know, a 7 to a 6. All throughout the day, focus yourself on what what is my emotional temperature now, not based on how I'm feeling, but how I'm acting, and what's one small thing I could do right now to drop it down at least one notch. Because if you can do that, then you've given yourself an extra point of, of space between where you are and your reactions, so that when that unpleasant surprise happens, you've got a little bit more room to move. Now, 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 we do talk, actually, in my book, Unworried, A Life Without Anxiety... I realize you're not talking about anxiety, you're talking about anger. But a lot of times anger is provoked by anxiety, and, and or it's, it's sort of unrecognized anxiety. You know, I'm, I'm nervous about this, I feel powerless about that, I feel uh, scared or worried about the other thing, and that boosts my emotional temperature, so I'm living too hot all the time, and then this next thing happens. And in the words of Dorothy Parker, you know, what fresh hell is this, right? And I just lose my mind about the thing. So in Unworried, I talk about the emotional temperature scale, I also give several other exercises to help you take down that temperature scale and watch what you're saying to yourself. So check that out as a follow-up to these suggestions. Again, the book Unworried, A Life Without Anxiety, but it's all applicable to the things that you were just describing as well. You can get it at catholiccounselors.com. Thanks so much for the call, and if there's more we can do to support you, don't hesitate to reach out. When we come back, we're continuing to take your calls about marriage on our show titled I Love You, but as we talk about those things that our spouse does that drive us crazy. You know, Maybe there are small things, petty, irritating annoyances that we don't know whether we should bring up or not. We can talk about that. Or there are more serious things that really do irritate you and need to be handled, but you're not sure how. Let's talk about it. 877-573-7825. When we come back, in addition to taking your calls, we'll be joined by Bill Donahy of the Theology of the Body Institute. So stick around.
0: There's a ton more coming up after the break. This Ave Maria program is brought to you in part by the nonprofit CMF Curio. Your search for affordable health care stops here. Since 2014, CMF Curo has provided Catholics with affordable health care sharing that goes beyond insurance. With programs that cost less than many Cobra and ACA sponsored plans, CMF Curo is a Catholic health sharing experience that enables you to live fully alive while saving money. Call 1-833-GET-CURO to find affordable Catholic health care now. That's one 833 getcuro Brought to you by the nonprofit Seaton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Gerindy here.
4: You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. I'll tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal, and overall, the Seton students Scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org.
2: Welcome back to More to Life. on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popchak.
1: I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. Today on More to Life, the show is titled I Love You, but as we talk about those things that yeah, every marriage, right, whether it's a great marriage or not, our spouse does certain things that get under our skin and irritate us, and we're not necessarily sure how to bring it up or whether we should bring it up. Let's talk about that and help you overcome those both petty annoyances and even more serious offenses, 877-573-7825. Joining us right now, Bill Donahue of the Theology of the Body Institute. Hey, Bill, welcome to More to Life. Good morning to you both. Happy summer. Yes, and you wanted to share some things that you and your wife do to kind of find that peaceful place so that you can deal with those annoying things in your family life more effectively. (laughs)
5: Yes. Yes, I was enjoying the conversation previous to this about the uh, emotional temperature, and we can totally relate. We have four kiddos, 14, 12, 10, and 7. And, yeah, there's stormy seas sometimes. And Rebecca and I, of course, parent together, but we also sometimes have differences in the way we think things should be addressed. We're discovering and rededicating ourselves to the daily rosary. And no matter what is blowing up around us, or if it's peaceful seas, That post-dinner, kneeling down in front of the Divine Mercy image, Rebecca and I, hand in hand, I'm thinking last night, it was great, that becomes our rudder. The Rosary is our rudder, guiding our ship of our family. And uh, it's a stable moment, it's a peaceful moment, where we're fixed on Christ, and I I just really enjoy that 20 minutes of um, togetherness in prayer, focusing on the Lord, and uh, I think our kids are going to reap the benefits from that. If not now, hopefully in the future.
1: Well, what I, you know, when I think about this, you know, it's it's such a you know it's a suggestion that we hear all the time: the importance of praying together, the importance of a family rosary or a couple rosary. Um, but we forget the power of it of of taking that time to to intentionally build a break into our day where we just bring it all to God. And, and and reflect, right, in his presence on what he wants us to do in the face of the all the storms of our, of our life.
2: And to make that a daily habit so that, as you said, no matter what's going on, if we don't feel like praying together because we're all angry at one another or we're too darned tired to feel like we can do it, if we make that intentional habit every day where we have committed to each other that we're going to do this, then we don't you know we don't want to break that promise to each other or to god or maybe the other one can encourage the the spouse who's exhausted or whatever that is but we do it together and that somehow with the grace of god lets us know we can do the next right thing and the next right thing and we don't have to be completely victimized to the the tension or the crazy that's going on around us right
5: yeah, and a word, a word to parents who maybe have tried and failed or just thought, we can't, our family's a hot mess. Don't wait till it's quiet, because that'll never happen. Don't wait till everyone's peaceful and folded hands are all around. Just do it, right? We, you just do it, and that will stand with a kind of peace. That's our experience is just do it. Don't wait for things to become perfectly prayerful. Press on, and uh, the interior life of, of mom and dad, right? Husband and wife. That really becomes a stabilizer. There's a great quote from Saint Seraphim. He says, uh, "Maintain your peace, and you'll save a thousand souls." I love that. I'm going to put on a T-shirt. That's- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bill, I want to thank you for being with us, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, doing those things that help us maintain our peace certainly help us save our souls uh, through God's grace, and also be more present to the people around us in ways that are grace-filled as well. And if folks would like to learn more about your good work, I encourage them to go to tobinstitute.com. That's T-O-B, as in Theology of the Body, tobinstitute.com. And we are taking your calls, listeners, right now at 877-573-7825. Title of the show, I love you, but (laughs) as we talk about the fact that, you know, look, even in the best marriage, our spouse drives us crazy sometimes. And how do you know whether to say something or let it go? If you're going to say something, how do you bring it up? Uh, If it's a more serious offense, how do you deal with it gracefully? Let's talk about all that when we come back from the break. The number is 877-573-7825. More to life will continue in just a moment with you. Are mobile phones
4: dangerous? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Our phones have become an extension of our physical bodies, and they emit radiation. Where you routinely place, hold, or store your phone on your body is critical. Energy emitted from radio frequency exposure can be absorbed by the body, and potentially harmful. Apple recommends customers using its latest iPhones try the hands-free options, like built-in speaker phones and headphones, to reduce exposure. Android-type phones top the list of phones giving off the most radiation. Keep all brands of phones away from your ear and head when possible. Men should store a phone in a pant pocket. Women should keep their phone in a purse, pant pocket, but not in their bra. I didn't know this was a thing. Practice social distancing from phones. Like fasting from food, maybe it's time for a digital detox. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net.
3: They're showing reverence to God. All this was reverence. Now, what do I see? I hear one irreverence after another. And week after week, month after month, the media churns out things that make fun of religion in general and make fun of Christianity in particular, and particularly make fun of the Catholic Church. No class. Absolutely no class.
6: EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic.
2: Hi, I'm Lisa Popcheck. Nothing taxes our relationship with our adult kids as much as the expectation that they should obey us. As parents, we remember when our children were little and we could get away with because I said so. Although we don't recommend that approach at any stage. We guarantee that you will fail to communicate with your adult children if you demand obedience. The Catechism of the Catholic Church notes, obedience towards parents ceases with the emancipation of our children. Certainly our children owe us their respect, just as any human being owes respect to others in a relationship. But our adult children aren't obliged to do what we say. Catholic parents are still called to help our adult kids lead godly adult lives, but we're called to do it as mentors and witnesses not masters and commanders. To learn how you can have a healthy mentoring relationship with your adult kids, check out our book, Having Meaningful and Sometimes Difficult Conversations with Your Adult Sons and Daughters, or visit catholiccounselors.com.
1: Welcome back, folks. You are listening to More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak.
2: I'm Lisa Popchak. And the show is titled,
1: I Love You, But... As we talk about the fact that even the happiest couples can drive each other crazy from time to time, how does your spouse drive you nuts, or how do you drive them nuts? We want to talk about how to find solutions to those things that get under your skin about each other, and maybe that you wish you could change, whether they're petty annoyances or, or more serious offenses. Let's talk about when to speak up, when to offer it up, how to speak up when you do, and how to Break through those barriers, that stand between you and enjoying your marriage more. 877-573-7825.
2: Let's talk now with Terry, who's listening to EWTN Radio
7: in North Carolina on the EWTN app.
1: Hi, Terry. Welcome to More to Life. What's going on?
7: Hey, I have a tendency to offer things up when I should be dealing directly with it, with grace, but I... I have a tendency because of unhealthy patterns on my part and my husband's part of, okay. of, like, I end up becoming very flustered to blow up and just, so, I don't know how to deal with things directly and calmly.
1: Are there times when you do, uh, do a little bit better than usual with this? And how does that go?
7: There have been a few times because, you know, we're trying to change, it's about, you know, like, almost 40 years of uh, unhealthy patterns so listening to your show has been helpful and so yeah I'll I will there's been a couple times (laughs) okay
1: all right and and how and is your husband receptive it sounds like it sounds like you're both sort of on the same page here that you want to make some they both want to make some changes is that correct or or is he more resistant or like is he He, yeah tell me about that I
7: think that's part of the problem is he's going to he has a tendency to become defensive or make excuses, and and I, okay. I that's difficult. I don't know how to deal with that.
1: Okay, so let's talk about this in two stages, then. Okay, so so I want to talk a little bit about you know, how you can speak up more and what that would what that would look like, and then I want to talk about how to deal with the defensiveness when it comes up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be brief, but uh, so so the first part of this is how do you know when to speak up in the first place? Um, you know so there are two works of mercy here there's there's uh bearing wrongs patiently and then there's admonishing the sinner and how do you know which one to lean into well um, if 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 the other person that's offending you generally speaking is really working hard to not do the offensive thing, but then every once in a while they slip up, but you know they're going to self correct if you just give them some space and don't pile on. Well, that's when you bear wrongs patiently because that's working for their good, right? It doesn't do them any good for you to be heaping on them when, they, when they're already, you know, making steps to correct themselves or already aware of the problem and they're trying to fix it. Um, so we give them some space to self-correct. But if a person habitually does a thing that is frustrating or offensive and, and they're, you know, they either don't know it's offensive or they, they don't care that it's offensive, that's when you admonish the sinner because the reason that's a work of mercy is because you're, you're trying to help them be better. It's not just you're doing it for yourself to set better boundaries and all that. That's true. But you're also working for their good. So in either case, bearing wrongs patiently or admonishing the sinner are both intended to work for the ultimate good of the other person. So, so you know, the, question, the first question you want to ask yourself is, you know, is this something that my husband is doing kind of consistently habitually that he you know kind of, that he's not self-correcting for and I do need to bring it to his attention because that's what love requires of me right if i love somebody then i'm working for their good Uh, and not pointing things out charitably is not working for their good, right? Like, if if Lisa is hurting my feelings constantly, doing something that really upsets me, and I don't point it out at some point kindly, uh, then I'm not working for her good, and I'm just ending up resenting her and being, you know, tempted to being passive-aggressive about expressing my frustration in other ways. And
2: that undermines the marriage, and then suddenly, you know, one small thing happens, and the whole thing starts to crack, and nobody wants that. So holding that back, or, or as you were using the words, offering that up, well it sounds great and it can be if done in right order but if it's done in a situation like this you're not just offering it up you're shoving it down inside of you and one day it's going to come out with a lot more force
1: so what I suggest to you in terms of how to how to speak up a little bit better is is at some point during the day I want you to get yourself a notebook okay and I want you to write down maybe one of the things that stood out to you that day that was that maybe most irritating and if, if and and then ask yourself if I could respond to this, how I would like to, what would I say or do? Now don't edit yourself, just just put it out there, okay? And then so you write down your response, and then look at it, bring it to God, and say, okay, Lord, is there anything about this th- that I need to change to make it a little bit more charitable? Not less effective, not not you don't want to you don't want to sweep it under the rug, right? If there's an offense, and it needs to be addressed. It's it's good to bring it up, but but write it out how you would like to say it, just if you said it, um, and then. Pray about it and say, you know, how could I say this a little bit more charitably that, would, that wouldn't mute my point or, or sweep it under the rug in some way, but would at least come off a little bit better. Then, then kind of mentally practice saying it right after you've written it out. It, it really helps to write this out because if you just do it in your head, it, it really doesn't work as well. Uh, it really helps to kind of get the words out on paper and be able to look at them and think about them and pray about them. And then you can mentally rehearse doing that thing. Now, you said the second part of this is if you bring stuff up to your husband, he gets defensive. Um, The best thing that you can do is say to him, look, I'm not your enemy here. I love you. I'm not blaming you. I'm really not even complaining about you. I'm saying that there's this thing that, that hurts my feelings. And I'm asking for your help in figuring it out together. Can you stop treating me like your enemy? and just work with me to figure out how we can handle this better moving forward.
2: Now I will add to that, that that is best done, exactly as Greg said it, when the offense hasn't instantaneously happened. Because we all have a tendency to just react the minute we're offended. And well if somebody's in the process of doing something offensive to us, well then they're probably, as Greg was talking about earlier when we were talking with our first caller today, at an emotionally heightened state, then you're offended, you're at an emotionally heightened state. It doesn't work. But if you can come to them with the kinds of words that Greg is talking about in a calm state when it's not happening, and just be able to say, hey, I need to address something for a minute. This is something that's happening a lot, and it's something that's really affecting me in this way, so I need to be able to discuss a solution with you. When you haven't just been offended, when that person isn't, you know, emotionally elevated, you'll have a much better chance of success because both of you can remain in your thinking brains much more effectively than you could in the heat of a moment.
1: Now. Um, You might say, well, gosh, I I can't remember all this. That's okay. Download the podcast. Okay. Okay. And then you and your husband listen to this segment together so that you guys can get more on the same page about it. Um, But I I would really recommend just just taking a look at that. We do talk more about this in our book, How to Heal Your Marriage and Nurture Lasting Love. That book looks at eight skills that research shows happy couples have uh, and talks about how any couple can learn to do them. And it also talks sort of about the spiritual benefits of learning those habits as well. So that's how to heal your marriage and nurture lasting love. You can get that at catholiccounselors.com. If you find you need additional support, then you can also check out our resources at catholiccounselors.com about our pastoral telecounseling practice. But let's start with this, you know, writing out the things that you need to say, praying about how to say it charitably, but still directly uh, and then if if your husband does get a little defensive about it as we often will when other people tell us things we don't like about ourselves um just say look i'm not your enemy and i'm not picking on you I, i'm saying there's this problem and i'd like your help in figuring out how we can handle this better together moving forward and then just kind of keep coming back to that and and then like i said you know the best way to maybe address this together since he's on the same page with you about wanting to make changes is download the podcast and listen to it together and if, we, if you need more support, we're here for you with all the resources we've talked about here. Thanks so much for the call, Terry. And if there's more we can do for you, don't hesitate to give us another call. 877-573-7825. That's 877-573-7825. We're talking with you today about, well, those little things in marriage that, that get to you. You know, even if it's a great relationship, sometimes our spouse can drive us crazy. Let's talk it out. 877 573 7825.
2: Let's talk now with Cody, who's listening to EWTN Radio in Texas on Guadalupe Radio.
1: Hi, Cody. Welcome to More to Life. What's going on?
8: Hey, guys. How you all doing?
1: Great, thanks. What's up?
8: Um, so, yeah, the, the issue I kind of have with my wife is she, um, her family is really controlling and I, I think, you know, narcissistic in a lot of ways. And she um, kind of grew up her whole life being told she wasn't good enough. And her needs, wants, all that didn't matter. It was about, you know, you have to do this for me and blah, 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 and all this control. And um, the issue we run into is she's still she's a self-professed like, people pleaser. I have to make other people happy to be happy. But then at the end, it ends up nobody's happy. Um, but she still does that with her with her dad and her sister. And it causes problems at home for me and her and our kids because she mm-hmm. gives them everything. And at the end of the day, she's so drained from just trying to make them happier, make them proud or whatever. And then when it comes to us, you know, me and the kids, it's just, it's not, you know, she's, she's drained. I get it, but it's tough because when I aware of it, yeah, in generally, yeah, in the moment she doesn't see it as clearly as, you know, as often happens, Um and we've talked about it before, but when we talk about it, it generally tends to end up in a fight, which is not my intent. I don't want to fight about it. I just it. I've told her before, you know, you give them everything, and then me and the kids get the angry, drained, stressed out version, and I don't think that's fair. But it it just ends up then like I'm attacking her, which again is not my intent. I don't know how to handle it better.
1: Okay. Well, let's start with let's start with that piece because it's kind of just. Uh dovetailing off of what I was sharing with the previous caller. Exactly. You know, when, when you get defensive, I, I don't want you to back down, okay? Or when she gets defensive, I don't want you to back down. I want you to say, honey, I understand you're frustrated. I understand you're upset, but I'm not your enemy, and I'm not picking on you. I'm saying there's a problem that I need your help figuring out how to address. So, so when I, I, need, I need us to both kind of like really listen to each other, and, and really I need you to hear what I'm saying, and, and let's work through this together instead of you attacking me.
2: Now, again, that is best brought up at a time where she has not just gotten home from serving them and is exhausted and you're angry and everybody's hungry and everybody's miserable. When you can just go to her and say, hey, there's this pattern happening. I love you and I need to talk to you about this calmly. Let's let's discuss this conversation in the way that Greg is saying.
1: Yeah, but I'd, I'd like you to actually start it um, you know, as, a, as an ongoing thing. All right. So number one, I'd love you guys to pray about it every day. You know, mm-hmm. so so, you know, to say, look, let's start praying together about how we can find some solutions to this. You know, you you, you love your family and I think that's great. Uh, you love us, but sometimes you have a really hard time organizing those priorities. And I don't know always how best to support you. So let's pray about that. You know, Lord, you know, I, I help me be the husband that she needs me to be. Help me to support my wife the way she needs to be supportive. But, but help us to make sure that we're really prioritizing our relationship and our family so that we can figure out how to be the family that you want us to be and still love the people around us and still love and, and attend to our extended families but but help us to understand how we can put each other first
2: and help us understand how we can prioritize our sacrament and the children that come from that sacrament because she is in a place for reasons we will discuss in a second here that everything is going to her family of origin and nothing to you guys she has not really internalized she's not been able to internalize the scriptural concept of leaving your original family, your father and mother, and cleaving on unto your spouse. Her priority needs to be the sacrament she committed to, but she's not able to do that right this moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, what, what, what she's dealing with is something called an anxious attachment style. Anxious attachment, it comes from being raised in a household where the approval and the affection was sort of stingy. You know, for various reasons, either because, uh, you know, the family had their own, the parents had their own stuff to deal with, or maybe they were afraid of spoiling the kids by being too affectionate, or, you know, there were other issues. But But the kid gets the impression that I have to earn my mom and dad's love. By you know uh, jumping through hoops or always being the good kid or or whatever, uh, and so what that does is it, it, it kind of teaches you to to be in a position with your parents, uh, especially as an adult, uh, where you're constantly trying to get their approval and 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 you're terrified to let them down because what little love you got would be would evaporate, uh, and you get kind of you can get obsessed with that, uh, to the point where you're you're actually denying yourself the love that's available from your spouse and kids. Um, so, so, you know, that might be something that needs to be looked at on a deeper level, but, but in the short term, you know, praying about it and making that an issue on a daily basis. Secondly, I want you to look at, um, how much time your marriage actually and family actually takes, you know, because I think we have a tendency to assume that, well, you know, the marriage and family just takes care of itself because we live under the same roof, right? But we don't, we're not intentional about really looking at when we function well, when we have a good week, what helps us do that? How much time do we actually get with each other in a good week?
2: Right? And what are the kinds
1: of things that we're doing as well in those moments? So you want to look for, ask yourselves to get a, sit down and think about what was the last time we had a good week together? How much time did we actually get and what were the things that we did in that time? Now, how could we make a plan to schedule that every week? Because that becomes the minimum amount of time that our family requires to function well. Think about, um, you know, family, family, like cars run on gas and get different fuel economy. Families run on time and have different time economy, and some families need more time than others. But, but either way, it takes what it takes, right? If, if your car keeps running out of gas before you think it should, you standing on the side of the road complaining about your car doesn't do any good. You, you just got to reckon with the fact that the car takes this much gas, and, uh, this, and I have to fill it this often. Same thing is true about family life. Family life breaks down when you don't give it enough time. So you've got to look at how much time does our family take to function well. In a, in a week where we got along better than normal, how much time do we give our relationships and what kinds of things do we do? And then you got to plan that every week. Once you put that on the schedule first, then you look at what time is left over to give to everybody else. Because you've got to at least make sure that you, you you are giving your family that amount of time first. Otherwise, the family breaks down, right? And you can't serve anybody. So... You, you, you carve that out on your schedule first and then you say, okay, with the time that's left over, assuming we can get these things done as a family first, but with the way we work and play and talk and pray together, now you can spend the let's now you can give that rest of that time to your family or other charitable things or, or whatever.
2: And I wanna add, when you're having this conversation with her, Cody, please say to her, Look, you're either running around trying to make your dad and your sister happy Or you're coming home exhausted and then the kids and I need you and the house needs you. While we have this conversation, I also want to make sure you're building in some time for yourself. When do you get to replenish yourself? When do you get to do anything that just makes you happy? Or even get out for a walk so you don't have to listen to somebody asking you for something for a minute. So make sure that she knows that she's a priority in your heart and your life as well. And it's not just... Hey, you're giving to them, but I want you to give to us. She might find it easier to give to them because, you know, they're not six and three years old. So make sure you're prioritizing her as well and building that time in and then making sure you have that time as a family. And then she can discern together with you in that daily prayer how to do things she needs to do for her father and her sister. We
1: threw a lot of things at you, as I suggested to our previous caller, download the podcast to, to, to kind of get get the notes here. Um, I'm also going to encourage you to actually check out um, CatholicHOM.com. Uh, we uh, have actually added a whole new section of marriage-building resources there, including an online marriage retreat. Um, but, but Catholic Home... That's uh, CatholicHOM.com. It's a, an online platform where we are providing daily support for, for Catholic families uh, with all these kinds of questions, there are tons of resources to help with parenting questions, marriage issues, and, and it's, it's all just to, to keep people on track and keep families gro- going strong and growing stronger every day and really support each other in living out the Catholic vision of love in our marriage and our family lives. If you're interested, become a premium member of the Catholic Home Community by going to CatholicHOM.com and signing up today. Today. All right. With that, we got to go to break. But when we come back, we're continuing to take your calls about dealing with all those annoying, little, petty, frustrating things <laughs> that your spouse does that get under your skin, even though you love them to pieces. But sometimes you just wish that would stop. <laughs> what is it? Eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. As we head out to our break, it's time for our scripture of the day from First Peter chapter four, verse eight.
2: Above all, keep loving each other earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins. You
1: know, when we read this verse, um, people think that it means that love enables us to ignore offenses. And that's not really what it means. I mean, sometimes love does require us to bear those wrongs patiently, as I was talking about with a previous caller about when we do that. But but it also sometimes requires us to say the thing that enables our spouse to be better and the relationship to be better. Uh, but either way, love is covering those multitude of sins by teaching us how to respond to those offenses in graceful ways. So say, uh, Peter is really talking here about the need to prayerfully discern the best way to respond to all those situations in love so that we can respond to those things in ways that work for the ultimate good of our spouse ourselves and our relationship first Peter 4 8 above all keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins and more to life will come back with your questions about marriage when we continue in
0: just a minute underwritten in part by this not-for-profit
3: are you looking for peace longing for joy want to meet the giver of all goodness God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB.
1: As Catholic parents, we know that parenting can be hard. Frustrating and lonely
2: But it doesn't have to be that way anymore
1: I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm
2: Lisa Popchak from More to Life Inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home That's Catholic H-O-M dot com It's an online community dedicated to supporting faithful parents like you At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day Get expert help with discipline issues Self-care
1: Creating a stronger marriage
2: Living your faith at home
1: Or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world
2: In addition to the personalized expert support you'll get as a premium member of catholichom.com you'll get access to tons of creative resources
1: check out entertaining videos that teach your kids to get along with each other and love the lord downloadable activities monthly live parenting q a's
2: a supportive community of faithful parents
1: and tons of other benefits like our exclusive catholic home podcast
2: go to catholichom.com today and become a premium member of the catholic home community
0: remember that's catholichom.com we can't
1: Can't wait wait to to
2: see see you there. there Welcome back to More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popchak.
1: I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. Today we're talking about marriage. And give us a call at 877-573-7825.
2: Let's talk now with Marty, who's listening to EWTN Radio in Missouri.
1: On Covenant Radio. Hey, Marty. Welcome to More to Life. What's going on?
6: Okay, I'd like to share a concept that was given to my wife and I by a marriage and counselor many years ago. That has been very significant to us, but I've never heard anybody else ever talk about it. And the concept was that al- almost every significant human act is either a statement of love or a request for love. And we have found that before that concept, if one of us you know wanted love, essentially, that it seems to me that adults typically did not request love in a healthy way. Yep. Uh, that uh, we request love inappropriately that, that offends our spouse. They're requesting love. We've got two people requesting love and nobody getting love. But if we can keep this concept in mind, anytime we feel hurt or offended by something our spouse says or does, if it doesn't feel like a statement of love, we say, Hey, that must be a request for love no matter how inappropriately it might be requested. And then, but instead of just reacting, that gap between when it happens and when we respond, and ask the Lord, how does how does you
1: request for lives? Right. No. So so you're, there's there's a lot of wisdom in that statement. I know, and I know a lot of people get confused about that because we'll say something very similar in in our work with our, our clients. And, and people will say, well, you know, when he was yelling at me or whenever she was doing this mean thing, how is that a request for love? You know, that doesn't mean that you excuse the thing. It, it, what it, and you're not, I know you're not saying that. But what it means is you're, you're recognizing, you know, my spouse isn't my enemy. Uh, they're, they're saying that they're hurt and they need my love. Or they're saying that you know, they're trying to love me, but it's, it's coming across in a way that's not effective. And so being able to talk about that in that context, you know, how is my spouse asking for love? by behaving in this obnoxious way. Then you can go to them and say, look, I know you're trying to do something good here. I know you're asking me to love you in some way, but this isn't going to work like this, right? How can, how, can we, how can we work together to help you get the support that you need from me without doing that, right? And you're able to have a productive conversation about it because, again, you're recognizing that you're both trying to love and get love from each other, um, but it's not coming across, as opposed to what often happens where we just react to each other and think of the other person as the enemy. I think it's a really good call to go out on, and that's why I wanted to talk with you. Marty great insight great wisdom I'm glad that you you received that bit of uh, wisdom early on in the relationship and that it's borne so much good fruit for you and I think that it could bear a lot of great fruit for our listeners today thanks so much for calling and sharing and folks if you'd like support with your relationship I'm going to encourage you to come on over to CatholicHOM.com where we've added an entirely new section on marriage building resources. We've got an online marriage retreat. We've got tons of DIY marriage tip videos. And, of course, my whole team of pastoral counselors and coaches are there to answer your questions. If you go to CatholicHOM.com and become a premium member of that community, you can get for all the benefits for marriage and parenting in graceful ways. to
2: More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popcheck.